So I think regardless of what sort of discipline you're working in in security, if you have these things and you develop them, you can take your work and elevate it to levels that you've probably never even like experienced or imagined yet. I feel a little triggered and called out the fact that you said <laughs> that security teams can't do everything. Some executive comes and they ask you like, hey, I need to know, are we safe now? Like, have we been exposed? What's going on? Who says tech can't be human? What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. We had to bring in a very special guest for this episode. Someone that's really popular, doing some great work out there in the field of cybersecurity. We have Rob Wood, the Chief Information Security Officer at CMS. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm stoked. I am like so excited to be here. So let's do it. Hey. We are excited to have you. There are so many things that we talked about before the podcast and even over the last couple months. We talked a little bit about what it really takes to be a great practitioner, a great leader in the space of cybersecurity, all the way down to the bits and bytes speaking about data. But when we think about data today, I mean, there's so much data everywhere. And I don't know if you've seen all the chat GPT stuff, but I feel like this data game is going to get even crazier with people producing data. But we got to talk a little bit about controlling your data, right? Because we sort of lose grasp on controlling our data the more we have of it. So what are some of your philosophies today about data? Yeah, well, so I think there's a couple ways to think about this. We have the security team's data, and then we have the data that belongs to other parts of the organization that the security team is helping to protect. Maybe that's finance, maybe that's engineering, maybe that's you know some, some aspect of product, what have you. And so talking about the security team's data specifically, mm -hmm. historically, there's all of these pockets of security, like security teams have gotten complicated over time now, you know, there, there's, uh, it's not just the sock. It's not just pen testing. It's not just incident management. It's not just compliance. Like they, we have all of these dimensions of a modern cybersecurity organization. And in many ways they sort of operate in silos. You can almost see this if you, you know, Google, let's, let's say you're starting a new cybersecurity organization. You Google, like, show me an example org chart. And, you know, it's hierarchical. And if you if you're familiar with this with this organizational theory called Conway's law, it basically posits that any system that is built is a reflection of the organizational structure that built it. And so if mm. you look at a bunch of silos and then you see what comes out of that, you're going to get a bunch of silos. And so you right. have data that exists in a bunch of silos and then security team is siloed from all the other teams that it's working with. And so you have this this inertia, this this sort of red tape reaching that that needs to happen in order to protect, access, use, consume, you know, sort of collaborate in and around data. And so one way that I think we need to be better as security teams is finding ways to collapse org structures 
and doing so not just with people and process, but with data as well. So that way we're actually working together in the same data environments using the same kind of data tools, whether it's, you know, Hex, Databricks, Snowflake, like all, all of those sorts of things together with either engineering teams or product teams or marketing teams or what have you, or even internally amongst ourselves. You know, I have some suspicions as to what you mean by data silos, because I use a lot of SaaS applications. And once I put my data in there, it's pretty much siloed from every other SaaS application I have until like, totally. there's an integration that, that's built or something's happening in the background that I just have no idea about. But from your perspective, what are some of these data silos and how do they relate to kind of like this org chart needing to be flattened? Yeah. So so think about, uh, for example, the, the security operations center and then mm -hmm. contrast that with the like a penetration testing team. Typically those, I mean, this is a really like obvious example because, you know, we talk about like, oh, red team, blue team, purple team, you know, all of that. But those teams are both producing and consuming data to do their basic work, to run their operation. And the security team, the security operations center is of course working on logs and telemetry that's coming out of systems and networks and all of that, and maybe even SaaS applications. The pen test team, they're, you know, they're, they're consuming like system artifacts and, and they're, they're creating data in the form of vulnerabilities and whatnot. They're typically not exchanging data uh, amongst one another. And so, you know, think about this in the, in the context of like log4j, like log4j comes out and it's a mad scramble to figure out, all right, what do we do as a big enterprise about this thing? So we not only have to figure out where it exists. So like, all right, who do we go to talk to about that? You know, do we have S-bombs? Do we have software composition analysis? Do we need to talk to the engineers and figure that out? Maybe all of the above. I don't know. Um, and then if we find it anywhere, who owns it? Okay. So that's like a compliance governance thing. Where does that live? Um, and then if it is there, was it exploited in any way? All right. So now we're like doubling back to the sock. And, you know, you think about like just a problem like that, it's like you've already reached across three, four, five different parts of the organization to try to solve what should be a series of very simple questions. And in our world, in the same way that attacker, like one of the, the things that they benefit from is time. You know, they can move very quickly because they're this small, self-contained unit of mm -hmm. people or resources or, or teams with fast feedback loops. If our feedback cycles are really, really long and, and the, the time it takes to do simple things is really, really long, like we give up our advantage to those that we're trying to defend against. And, you know, and then and then we're just getting bombarded by all, all sorts of other stuff. And, yeah. you know, just the day to day security stuff, because we can't just we can't just throw, you know, for, for every little, uh, you know, exciting thing that comes pops up in the news, we can't stop everything and and respond to it. So it, you know, it creates this tremendous strain on security teams. I'm currently the CISO at CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. It's like the big federal agency that nobody's ever heard of. We have over 150 million people that we are protecting healthcare data for. This is actually my first federal role. Prior to this, I did three different startups. Prior to that, I was uh, in like very hands-on, deeply technical consulting. And so I'm, I'm a little bit of an oddball of a CISO. I've been very 
had very hands-on engineering like roles up until this point. And so I've sort of hit this this really amazing intersection of like technology and leadership and and that's kind of where I got to where I'm at and it's it's been really fun and exciting along the way. You know, we've been talking about data for a couple months about how you have your own initiatives, your own personal initiatives for really pulling all that data together and putting it in a place where not only you control it, but you can utilize it. Can you tell us a little bit about your own personal story of how you're bringing all that stuff together? Yeah. Well, so before I got into CMS, so this is my first federal job. Prior to this, I worked in a series of startups. Each each of those, I, I learned different things. I got exposed to the way that different teams tried to solve problems. So one of those was a healthcare company. Um, one of those was a cybersecurity company. And, one, and the last one was a marketing company. And you think about the traditional marketer for a second. They're spending their time writing copy, writing ads, stuff like that. Like basically, right. you know, doing SEO work. And what we were building was effectively data tools for marketing teams, for modern marketing teams. You think about a company like Under Armour, Allbirds, Nike, whatever. They've got retail stores. They've got Instagrams. They've got Facebooks. They've got their YouTube. They've got uh, their website, their mobile apps. They've got they've got all these different things. They got influencers with uh, you know affiliate code. They've got all this stuff. And what they want to be able to do is bring all that data together, break down their own silos, bring it all together, and then give them really awesome tools to build baller marketing campaigns and get you to yeah. buy whatever that, you know, get you to do what they want you to do. Exactly. Now, <clears throat> our world, I believe, functions very similarly to that. And so I was inspired for the security data lake effort that we're working on right now is inspired off of that. Some of those core concepts, because we as security teams, we work on influence. You know, we're not oftentimes hands on keyboard mitigating the risk of the things that we're worried about. We don't own the products. We don't own the servers. We don't own the databases. We don't own the firewalls. We're we're working through and partnering with other people and teams across our organizations. And so we have to we have to be able to communicate effectively and and by bringing all of this data together and like leveraging the power of data lakes and collaborative data t- like data tools and such within the security context. Our hope is that we can communicate much more effectively with stakeholders and constituents across our enterprise to get them like really, really powerful risk insights as soon as they need it to do what they need to do to mitigate risk and drive it down to the levels that we've like that we're going to find acceptable or, or beneficial for the agency. And so like that's sort of like the smashing together of these you know, these worlds um, is, mm-hmm. is kind of where, where we're coming from. Creating high value, consistent content is easy. <laughs> I couldn't even keep a straight face on that one. Creating content is difficult. Trust me, I know. I've created podcasts and internet TV series, and I've learned that creating content on an island makes it even harder. So we created a Hacker Valley Patreon page that has a few tiers. Ron and I have spent a lot of time creating different masterminds for different groups, and we thought it was time to create one for the creatives out there. In order to learn more and sign up for this incredible opportunity, go to patreon.com forward slash Hacker Valley Studio, and we cannot wait to get started and create some magic together.
I'm hearing two key elements, one being the people and the other being communication of the people. And I think yeah. in cybersecurity and let alone business, that's where a lot of the breakdown happens. Mm -hmm. uh, I just recently did a video on top three skills to learn in cybersecurity. These are all technical skills. But totally. one of the non-technical skills that someone brought up was communication. And I started to think to myself, well, how do you start to develop one skill with communication? Because every organization is different. If you're working in the federal government, the communication there is probably a lot different than being in the commercial space, being in other sectors as well. So how would you, I guess, go about it with a blank mind? Let's say you're starting CMS tomorrow and restarting these efforts. How would you kind of get these people together to, to do you know, this effort of bridging the gap with data? Yeah, that that's a that's a great question. So I I think there's universal soft skills, tech non-technical skills that exist across I mean really any discipline, but but you know within cybersecurity, the way you manage your time, the way you communicate, and there's a lot of aspects of communication, writing, presentation, oh, yeah. public speaking, uh uh like small form conversations, you know, things like that. What's your text game like? You know, can you can you communicate, you know, have a whole conversation through GIFs and emojis like, you know, there's there's a lot of layers to it. So there's a lot of things that are universal to any role in cybersecurity. And then there's some things that are more specific to a specific to a particular role. So myself as the CISO, I have to be I have to I have to know how to lead. I have to know how to manage people. I have to know how to hire. I have to know how to uh, do budgeting work. I have to you know, be able to think about managing a portfolio of tools and do strategic planning and stuff. You know, th those are things that other people on our team just may not have to spend their time thinking about because that's not part of their job. And that's OK, because they have they have a lot of other stuff to think about. You know, these non-technical skills, they manifest in unique ways in particular roles. So for early in my career, I did a lot of pen testing uh, as an example. And there's one thing that like universally every single pen tester hates and that's report writing yep. yet it's it's ironically like the most important part of mm -hmm. doing the test because that's where you're actually communicating what you found how to fix it and if nothing gets fixed on a kind of a pen test you didn't do anything well <laughs> or right. i mean you may have had fun along the way but yeah. you know you didn't actually change anything and you know you have to be able to communicate and you know you have to be able to wield these soft skills and develop them no matter what you're doing in cybersecurity. If you're a SOC analyst, pen tester, CISO, compliance auditor, you know whatever you are doing, you got to be able to do these things and complement them with your technical skills, whatever those happen to be. You have to really lean in and try to like develop yourself, you know, whether it's like reading books, getting feedback from people, um, you know, taking care of yourself. So you're not like trying to just give out to others and be emotionally available for others from, you know, a place of just like total, total drain. You know, it, it could, it could be a lot of different things to basically like invest in yourself on this level, like, and your emotional intelligence and such, but mm -hmm. you've got to do it. And like, and it, you know, all of that stuff basically boils down to practice in some way, say, way, oh, yeah. shape or form. I love that. And I love the the pivot of the conversation, but I'm sure someone's like, what the heck? We were just talking about data, the thing I love. And now we're talking about soft skills. But so I think it'd be great to paint the picture as, as to because there are folks that are really, really deep technically, right? They might be a reverse engineer. They might be 
you know, just a, a general malware analyst, a, a threat hunter. Yeah. And so they live and breathe the bits and bytes. And they might yeah. not see the the benefit of really investing in the soft skills or going to a place like the soft side of cyber.com. What are the, the benefits for someone that's highly technical to go and develop some of these skills like you're talking about? So nothing in, so I used to work in a really hands-on role. So my, when I first started my career, I was doing a lot of red teaming. I worked at Sigital before they got bought out and uh, uh, like turned into part of Synopsys. So I was doing a lot of like reverse engineering, static code analysis, threat modeling, like that was my life. And I, and I believed wholeheartedly that I could just like out hustle and outwork and just like, just <laughs> yeah. go, like, I used to have like, you know, the six computer screens and I was like, yeah, I was like full on nerd. And I was like, this is, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And, yeah. and I loved it. But one thing that I have come to appreciate more and more and more over time is that like security teams cannot do everything. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. I mentioned this earlier in the context of like working through other people, no matter what you're doing, if you're reverse engineering something or you're a security engineer and you're building something, eventually the work or the the output of what you are doing has to go somewhere else and get consumed right. by somebody else or else it doesn't add value. And if we're not adding value back into the organizations we're in or to the world, like, is that like, do you really want to just be doing something because it's interesting? Maybe you do. Mm -hmm. But my guess is that you're in this field and you're doing what you're doing and you're pouring your heart out into it because you want to add value and try to move the needle. And part of moving the needle is getting it, getting somebody else to pick it up and then take it's like a it's like a big relay race. Like they have to take the baton and take it somewhere else. And, you know, if you're just if you're running a race and you kind of run up and you just chuck the thing on the ground and and they're fumbling yeah. for it smooth communication and smooth partnership and bringing you know checking your ego at the door and all of that stuff and handing that baton off to the to your partner in the race so they can take it and and you know take it to the next stage like that really helps move the needle and so and i think that that concept applies to anybody you know i'll, I'll like use a very specific example here uh, I talked about pen testing earlier, but like a SOC analyst or somebody who's doing incident management, if you're responding to a data breach and let's say you're, you know, you're in the weeds, you're responding to, you know, you're analyzing logs or you're, you're piecing things together, like all of that stuff. And some executive comes and they ask you like, Hey, I need to know, are we safe now? Like, have we been exposed? What's going on? And you were to just like send them a CSV file with a bunch of logs be like, yeah, it looks good. Like here's, here's what I found. Mm -hmm. They're going to come back to you and be like, I have no idea what you're, what I'm looking at. And I, <laughs> and even if I am technical, I don't want to spend all my time looking at that because I'm a busy executive. Please mm -hmm. put it together for me in a, you know, three to four sentence, like thing, like help me, help me help you <laughs> and yeah. help like, just summarize it for me. And so like being able to, you know, summarize your thoughts and, and communicate them clearly. So that way they can take it and, and go over and do what they need to do. Like that's a really powerful skill. And so, so I think regardless of what sort of discipline you're working in and security, if you have these things and you develop them and you, and you do it well, you can take your work and elevate it to levels that 
you're pro- that you've probably never even like experienced or imagined yet. And, and that is where like the real value starts to get unlocked for security teams and just people in general. I feel a little triggered and called out the fact that you said <laughs> that security teams can't do everything. I have hit that wall <laughs> running full speed so many times. And I, it was, I learned that lesson very begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over and years. you know, like, on one hand, you want to provide value because that's totally. what you're doing the job for in the first place. But, you know, on the other hand, like you said earlier in your career, you were trying to learn everything. And it's probably yeah. because you're a bit like me and you wanted to be a little bit of a superstar, right? Totally. <laughs> Over time, you know, I, I love the example of humbling yourself. You have to leverage your team. You have to really lean on others because that's how yep. you really get in the situation, provide value. What's been an example of your career? I mean, you have some great accomplishments. You're now chief information security officer at an organization that protects more than 100 million people. How have you had to check yourself or humble yourself along the journey of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, well, I'll... man, so many ways. <laughs> it, it, it comes in like giving people rope, giving people room to do things that you know I might be very expert in. And has some very strong opinions in, and they might be much more junior in, and you, you kind of step back and play a coach role or, or sort of like advise from the sidelines and like let them struggle, let them fail, let them learn through experience and trial and error. And like that is that is humbling because you know, if you're if you're running an organization or you're accountable for certain things, and you know, you don't want them to fail, but at the same time, you know you can't do everything and you have to like this is part of just effective delegation and an empowerment of those people because it's going to be valuable for them. And when, you know, if something goes wrong or even if they do it and they just happen to do it differently and, you know, that's 90% as effective as how it would have been if you did it, like that's okay. And so like accepting failure and accountability and like championing that and like talking about what we learn from it and the good parts of it and trying to create space for other people to to stumble and try things and have them not work out and, and creating this space for things to not be perfect all the time. Cause when they're perfect, people just like don't take risks so that everything right. stays perfect. And so like every month my deputy and I do a, uh, and ask me anything and we, we make it totally public. Like salespeople come, other agencies come, friends come talk about everything from like whiskey and wine to career coaching to you know cms mm-hmm. policy and it's like it's just all over the map and it's right a ton of fun favorite thing about working at cms is amazingly the leadership team and culture around me has been super amazingly supportive of the change that we are driving you know I, they see what we're trying to do and they are rallying behind it and that just makes everything so much easier and it's just like that's really awesome and of course like the mission and the impact is like you know those two things are incredible one of the things i think about quite often is leadership leadership is one of the most important things in the world to me and i'm really hard on leaders because when i see a, a, a leader that's either you know cultivating a toxic environment or they're not listening or they're using fear and intimidation to lead their folks it's just like why why are you doing that and I right. even saw that a little bit in the cybersecurity space, because a lot of times the folks that were leading cybersecurity organizations, that they, they might have been not the most technical. And so they have to almost like come off as brash or they know what they're talking about in order right. to kind of like 
say that this is I have the position because I have this power. But I'm starting to see a whole different slew of leaders in this world today. I mean, look at people like yourself. I'm thinking about like director of CISA, uh, Jen Easterly. Jen Easterly. Uh, oh, yeah, she's great. Look, even folks like uh, like Dean uh, at Exonius, like just a different yeah. brand of leader in the technical space where they know a lot. They're they're really, really intelligent, but they know how to talk to people. They know how to make people feel seen. It's not about them. It's about people. It's about the mission. Where mm-hmm. where do you think all of this is coming from? Because I, I really didn't see a lot of this until relatively recently, because I feel like there was a bunch of people that came up and now those people are starting to take the helm of some of these big, incredible organizations. I think that's just it is, you know, we're seeing like a next wave of leaders come in. There's more leadership opportunities. So people are getting to step up into these roles like my like my last role before this, I got recruited into CMS. Um, otherwise, I don't think I <laughs> I don't think I would have made the cut um, or like if I had like kind of sought it out. But like my last role, I was I was managing a team of three at a startup. And now I'm managing a team of over like 400 at a <laughs> major enterprise. It's, like, it's a crazy, crazy shift. Um, yeah. it, like it still gives me whiplash sometimes. <laughs> I think there's like this surge of new opportunity that's allowed and like created space for new people to step up into these roles. So like we have this, all of this space created for, for just a new generation of leaders to come. And I think Mm -hmm. there's, there's people moving into security from all of these other diverse fields, which is really exciting. Um, So people coming over from engineering, from IT, from like totally random backgrounds. Like when I was in college, I studied sports management, for example. And like wasn't wasn't remotely related to uh, to cybersecurity and but like I I like made a last minute transition into like getting an internship and I I see a lot of people from these non traditional backgrounds that creates this almost like polymath sort of effect of like blended disciplines and I think that really helps because it it humbles people and then you can just be more human and that's mm-hmm. like that's a good thing my favorite thing about being a CISO is like I love looking at the big picture and moving the pieces on the board, so to speak, and and thinking about how things fit together and and like thinking like an architect basically. And like that that sort of the sort of mindset or that that sort of approach to problem solving really excites me. So you know we, we started this conversation talking about data and we ended up talking about really high level uh, leadership. Yeah. But I think there there is a tie between the two, you know, aside from like the behaviors that are going to give you just that be- that better performance in your career. It's really about dominion, right? It's about being able to control the things that you can control. Like you can control your data, right? You can keep things interconnected. You can understand it. You can analyze it. But even like yourself, like understanding yourself, I think soft skills is sometimes more about the discovery of yourself than the discovery of other tactics and techniques to talk to people. It's yep. really about understanding everything else. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. all about being able to, to control the things you can control. When you think about data, when you think about soft skills, leadership, what is that one piece of, of philosophy, that, that one thing that you would want to tell someone that's looking to really have more control over their life and kind of get away from trying to control the things that they can't? Ooh, I, I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Like the the acceptance of I don't know if you uh, 
if you're like a daily daily stoic reader or I am. The, uh, <laughs> fantastic um yes <laughs> myself as well so but awesome. like the acceptance of the only things you can control are your response to things like you can't even yes. you know you don't even necessarily have control of your body to a degree you know i can raise right. my hands and whatnot but like your body is going to atrophy and yeah. that's just that's just going to happen and like you know there's a there's a few books that i've read and continue to reread that have just like kind of given me so much grounding along these lines like the road less traveled by scott peck a new earth mm -hmm. by eckhart tolman the daily stoic like those kind of yeah. things it just like like it'll it, like they literally just blow my mind every time I reread them in this yeah. sense of like where I sit in relation to the world around me and how I should be sort of introspectively thinking and reflecting and, and like trying to grow and like, like what am I trying to grow at and why? And like, yeah, I mean, strong recommend on all three of those books, but like, um, <laughs> totally yeah. not security related at all, but they will <laughs> help you as a human being. Um, uh -huh. nonetheless. you know, what I love about that is the stoic mentality is all about being in the present. When you're in the present, yes. you're really able to observe the true things that are going on around us. Mm -hmm. Uh, yep. very well said, Rob, we really appreciate taking the time out of your day to jump on the mics with us. We got to have you back on again at some point Love to just it. have like a philosophy, stoicism conversation. I'm down. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. We will definitely do it. And for anyone that wants to stay up to date with Rob, all the great work that he's doing, check out the show notes or description wherever you're listening or watching this show. And with that, we'll see everyone next time.